0: Happy New Year! Happy new year. Right, One more time. Happy New Year! Happy New Year! That's good. I notice it's a bit hot in here in case some of you are kind of starting to doze off. I just want to make sure you're awake. Uh, this is a new year, and it's one of those rare times when we actually meet on New Year's Day. And I'm so glad to see so many of you here today. And some of you were up late last night, but you made it to church anyway. And I'm so very proud of you. Now, we, uh, we came to the end of 2016 just about 11 hours ago. Hard to believe, isn't it? And for some of you, you're so glad that 2016 is over. And anyone say amen to that? Yeah, well, it's a new year. We thank God for that. Um, the beginning of every new year, so many of us make New Year's resolutions. Did anybody make any New Year's resolutions? You just grunt or something. or Nobody? You quit doing that, right? Uh, here, here's probably why. Here's here's an e-card for the congregation. Uh, I can't believe it's been a year since I didn't become a better person. (laughs) I got a few of them. I have to show all of them to you. Uh, here's, Here's another good one. Thanks for not laughing at my absurdly unattainable New Year's resolutions. Okay, I thought it was funny. How about this one? My New Year's resolution is to lose just enough weight so that my gut doesn't jiggle when I brush my teeth. <laughs> okay, found one that resonates with everyone. So, so happy about that. Uh, I got my, my very first uh, computer. Uh, let me just put it back to, the, to that. I got my very first computer, believe it or not, about 28 years ago. Uh, I was one of the first people of my generation to get a computer. It was a massive desktop unit, and some of you uh, have had those. You know exactly what I'm talking about. I used it mostly for word processing. I got it while I was in Athens, so that would be 1988, and uh, uh, I needed it for writing my, my, you know, my missionary letters, et cetera. And uh, at that time, there were no uh, email programs. That wasn't available to anybody. Uh, there was no internet. There was uh, no spreadsheets. You couldn't do desktop publishing, at least not on, on my desktop. And some of you may remember, you would turn your computer on and up would pop PC DOS 5 or DOS 6 or 7. Anybody remember that? This is three or four of us. It goes back a long, long way. And I'm gonna tell you, just getting into your computer was very tricky. You really, really needed to be trained well, and you could so easily mess that up if you didn't put the slash the right way, you didn't enter exactly the right word, you couldn't be off. It wasn't like Google today, if you spell a word wrong, they'll say, did you mean this, did you mean that? Nothing like that. You get it wrong, it's like you're a dummy. And so, uh, I got to tell you, uh, trying to figure that th- crazy thing out was was really difficult. But I had a friend there. His name was Yanis. He was a Greek young Greek fellow, and every time I had a problem, every time I messed the thing up, I'd say, "Yanni, I need your help." Hello, though. Hello, though. And Yanni would come over and and he would show me. He said, "Write it down." I'd write it down, and somehow, some way, get the thing mixed up. So finally, because he was tired. Of showing me how to reset my uh, tired of showing me how to fix my computer and how to get out of my problem. He showed me how to reset it. And basically, all he said that you do is just turn your computer off, wait a few seconds and turn it back on, and away you go. Now, does anybody know what I'm talking about today? It's called the reset button. And I'm gonna tell you um, if there's ever a problem, all I needed to do was push the reset button. The reset button was basically the power button, but we call it the, the reset button. Because when you turn the power off and turn it back on again, you're ready to rock and roll. Now, I gotta tell you, folks, New Year's is the ultimate reset button. Can I say it for you again? New Year's Day is the ultimate reset button, and we thank God for that. We, God knows that we need that. One of my memories from my childhood the watch night services in the church that I grew up in. Uh, if you grew up in a Pentecostal church, you may have an idea what I'm talking about. So, what would happen is on New Year's Eve, uh, Christians would gather together about eight o'clock in the evening, and there would be duets and solos, and maybe a special singer would come to town, or maybe a special speaker. And then after we, you know, been in, been together for hour and a half or so, then the pastor would. Invite us in the last 10 or 15 minutes to kneel down at our at, at the pew wherever we were, and it would be there that we would uh, bring our prayer requests to God and ask God to help us, and we would start literally start the new year on our knees. I remember Pastor Barber saying that all the time: start the new year on our knees, and then we would all stand up and we'd say Happy New Year, and then we'd all go home, and we would all had a fresh start, a fresh start is one of the great features of the Christian faith. I don't know if you know that. It's a a secret to some, but this morning what I want to do is I want to show you the, the joy and the wonder of this great feature of the Christian faith, the ability to reset. Now, understand this. Our God is a merciful and loving God. How many know that today? Would you say amen to that? Yes, some of us understand that. And the Bible makes it very clear to us that our Lord Jesus understands how very difficult this life is. He understands our weakness. He understands our every temptation. In Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15, I'm going to just fast forward here a little bit. It says, Jesus understands every weakness of ours because he was tempted in every way that we are, but he did not sin. Now, understand something today, folks. Jesus understands your life far better than you realize. God understands that we are a species that is constantly making mistakes. There's one person nodding and agreeing with me. Fred, it's just you and me. Oh, there's another one. There's a few others. How many would agree that, yeah, we do tend to mess things up? Would everybody agree with that? There may be one or two here today would say, Pastor, you don't know how good I am. Well, if it, would that person come, please, and take the mic and finish the sermon this morning if that's you? Because the fact of the matter is, as long as we're on this planet, you and I are going to be constantly making mistakes. And sometimes it will be mistakes that we are conscious of. We know we're doing wrong. And there's other times we're saying things and doing things and we don't even realize it. But the fact is, is we do tend to get things messed up. We do tend to wander. In fact, there's a great hymn that says that, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. That is the tendency of every human being. We all understand that. And Jesus understands that. He understands that because he came to this earth and he experienced life on this planet so that you and I could understand it and identify with him and so that he could identify with us. So this morning, what I wanna do is I wanna let you in on the secret of a fresh start. And, uh, and so, again, just, just, just to say it fresh, God knows how important it is to have a fresh start. Would you tell the person beside you, I need a fresh start? Sometimes you just got to admit that. Doesn't that feel good to admit it? Yeah, has everybody said it? Everybody got that out of your mouth? I need a fresh start. Okay, here we go. Okay, that's enough, thanks. Thanks. <laughs> a fresh start is indeed one of the greatest gifts from God. And you have, you and I have all experienced that. We know that feeling when we've had the fresh start. And it and it could be something as simple as restarting your computer. You just punched in the wrong code, the thing is frozen, it's not doing anything. How many of you know what I'm talking about? And you would like to literally throw that computer right through the wall. You know, anybody like that? Oh, well, it's just me. Okay, I don't I'm feeling stupid. Uh You you understand that. But when you can press that button, everything's back to normal, everything's good. So you understand the power of a fresh start. Well, we read in the Old Testament of a prophet. His name is Jeremiah. Here's a picture of him. Jeremiah sat for Michelangelo so he could paint that on the ceiling of the Sistine Chapel. Not really. But that is supposed to be Jeremiah. He's also called the weeping prophet. And the reason he's called the weeping prophet is because as a prophet, God revealed to him what was going to happen to Israel and to Judah. God showed Jeremiah the judgment and the punishment that would come upon these people because they'd messed up so much. Now, Again, we all can relate to this, we've all messed up, we've all made mistakes, we've all said things we shouldn't say, we've all done things, we've all thought things we shouldn't think. We've all held grudges, you know what I'm talking about. But there's also times in our lives when we know that we've disobeyed God, we know we've done what we, know, what we shouldn't do, and uh, God pokes us. You ever had the Holy Spirit poke you? you got the wrong attitude, you got the wrong attitude, you better say sorry, you better say sorry. And we just say, no. God, do you know what he did to me? Do you know what she said to me? And we feel we're quite justified in doing what we want. And what comes right down to it, we've disobeyed God and we refuse to do what he says. And sometimes it's worse than that. Sometimes it's far, far worse than that. We're engaged in things that we know we shouldn't be doing. We know that we are flirting with disaster. We're flirting with potential disaster. We know that we're we're not where we need to be. This was the situation in Israel and Judah. Israel and Judah, they knew that they were disobeying God. They knew that they were not keeping God's laws. They knew that they were putting other gods before God. They knew that they were pursuing their own desires, their own lusts, their own wants. And Jeremiah the prophet, as well as many other prophets and many other preachers of the day, they warned the people. They told the people, repent, turn back to God, get your life sorted out, or else you will experience the judgment of God. And the people heard the warnings, but they refused to listen. And for this reason, Jeremiah weeps. We find his prophecy in the book of, Of Jeremiah in case you haven't read through the Old Testament he's actually the second major prophet and not only does he write the book of Jeremiah he also writes another book called Lamentations can you say that with me Lamentations some of you have never read that you've 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 gone through it and you think I don't know what this means I'm gonna keep going I'd advise you to go back and read that the book of Lamentations comes from the Greek which simply means loud cries that that feeling or that sense that you know your life is messed up or that things are not what they need to be. You may not even be aware of the fact that you've let God down, but you know your life is in the toilet. You are in trouble, and so you begin these laments or these loud cries. I like that, uh, I didn't know this, I discovered this as I was studying this, but the book originally in Hebrew was simply called how? Isn't that good? <laughs> it's like now imagine a Jewish people, a person saying this. How? How can this be? How do we get here? How did this happen? That's what the book is called. How? This sense is a sense of dismay and of sorrow, and bewilderment, and how on earth did I get myself into this situation? Maybe you're here like that today. You have no idea how you got yourself into the mess you're in right now, and you scratch your head, and you're like, like the Jews saying, how? How did this happen? Well, Jeremiah writes his lamentations, his loud cries, as an eyewitness of the destruction of, Of Jerusalem he saw the palace destroyed the palace of the king totally destroyed he saw homes destroyed the walls of the city completely destroyed and the saddest thing of all he saw the temple the glorious temple built by Solomon destroyed and he's weeping And everyone's weeping. Everybody is letting out these loud cries. Everyone is shaking their head and saying, how? How on earth did this happen? How did we get to this place? And so he writes, well, the event remains painfully fresh in his memory. And then Jeremiah himself is forced to depart to Egypt in 583 BC. No other book in the Old Testament is filled with laments like this. nothing, No other book contains the laments that Jeremiah shares with us. As you read through Lamentations, you get a, a real sense of the distress in this dirge. You get a sense of the great sorrow, a sense of doom, a sense that it's all over. This book, Lamentation, it really marks the funeral of the beautiful city of Jerusalem. And this book keeps alive for us the memory of the fall of that city and the fall of God's people. Remember, the Jews were called God's chosen people. They were the people of God. And in this moment, the Jewish people must have been scratching their head and saying, "God, we thought we were your chosen people. How could you let this happen? How could this be? God, we thought you loved us. We thought. We thought we were precious to you. How could this happen? You may be sitting here today and, and that thought has gone through your head this past year, maybe even this morning. God, I'm a Christian. How could this happen to me? How could I be struggling like this? How could I be having this kind of problems in my marriage, in my family, in my business, in my finances? How could it all go so bad? Now, I'm gonna tell you, not not every problem we have is due to disobedience. But I can tell you one thing, that when we have difficulty in our life, it definitely is a way for God to get our attention. The thing to do is to remember what Jeremiah shared with his people, lamentations. Look at this. The faithful, read it with me. The faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercies never cease. Great is his faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh each morning. Now there, my friends, is the reset button. You are here today because God wanted you to hear this special, special message for your life. For some of us here today, what we need more than anything is to push the reset button. We need to get our lives back on track. We're not where we need to be. Oh, you may not have done any grievous sin. You're not committing adultery. You didn't rob a bank last night. (laughs) You didn't do anything really bad. But you know that your heart is not close to God. You know your heart is distant from him. You know that your heart is maybe a bit cold toward the Lord. You know that you haven't got the fire, the excitement, the joy, the peace that God promises to all who love him. And this morning, God wants you to push the reset button. God wants you in 2017 to go forward with his grace and with his mercy. Because here's what you need to know. The faithful love of the Lord never ends. It never ends. And you thought maybe you messed up too much. And God's here today to tell you he loves you. He cares about you. Now, we may be experiencing suffering, and we may be experiencing the discipline of God. But I want you to know that today you can start fresh. No, let me just remind you again of some of the reset buttons that are available to us. You've seen those reset buttons. Anyone recognize the one on the right? That's a, I know it's on the Mac. I've got that I know exactly where that button is on my computer. But I must say this: that since I got a Mac, I rarely have to reset it, if ever. With Windows, It's something I use on a regular basis, but thank God I've been delivered of that. You're familiar with some of these buttons, aren't you? How about, uh, how about this one? Keep calm and hit the reset button, isn't that good? Or if you um, maybe tend to be like me after working on Microsoft computers, nuke everything and start over, isn't that good? Nuke everything and start right over. Now I want you to know today, um, uh, I, have, I have thoroughly enjoyed all the reset buttons that I've ever used in my life. And, and I, I remember uh, uh, the, first, the first one I remember, really, was on the table saw. My dad had a table saw. My brother and I built a garage and did all kinds of work. But sometimes if you weren't pushing that piece of plywood through just right, what happened? It just, the motor kills. And I thought the first time that happened, I thought I'd broken my dad's table saw And I was going to run away from home. (laughs) Oh, Lord. But I went and uh, told my dad, thinking that I'd destroyed his table. So I said, oh, it's no problem. Just push the reset button. There's a reset button? Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. There's a reset button. Oh. Thank God there's a reset button in this life. You may have messed things up bad. You may have made decisions, and you're still suffering to this day, but thank God for the reset button. And I discovered there's reset buttons on jackhammers. Uh, I discovered they have them on on drills, on reciprocating saws, and all manner of electric tools, there's reset buttons. Um, I even discovered that there's reset buttons on paper shredders. Now, for some of you who know my personality type, there's no way on earth I'm gonna put paper through a shredder one paper at a time. I'm gonna to try to get the maximum number through at every time, and of course, this means that I destroy paper shredders, but thank God they have, they have installed reset buttons. Um, how many know that there's reset buttons on the hot tub so that you don't bake yourself to death There's reset buttons on saunas, and folks, there's even a reset button on my iPhone, because I sometimes even get that stupid thing mixed up. Uh, I'm afraid to admit that, but I understand that the Androids are worse. (laughs) Jesse. Now, the wonderful thing, folks, is that God has given us a number of reset buttons, And I'm going to tell you what they are very simply. There may be a few more, but we're going to just focus on three this morning. Are you ready for them? And uh, you don't even have to write this down. You're going to remember it because it's something that every single one of us knows, understands, and uses, but we don't even know it. Here's the first reset button. We call it morning or a new day. Call it what you want. Every day is is a new day. And every day is a reset. The second one, folks, is called a week. Every Sunday is a reset, a reset for a new week. And every year is a reset, a reset so that you can have the kind of year you really, really want. Now, let's take a look at these for a moment, because what I'm sharing with you is all biblical. I'm not just making this stuff up. So every time, number one, every time you go to sleep at night, it's a reset. Did you ever wonder why God has created us to need sleep? I often ask God this, God, you see all the work I have to do, can't we just cut the sleep time in half? And I found out you can't. Or you get into big trouble. For one thing, you become terribly cranky and your family can't stand you. You start making mistakes. But more than that, folks... When you go to sleep at night, it's a time to rest, to give your body a rest, but more than that, to give your mind a rest, to give you an opportunity to experience God in a way that you wouldn't normally do that. See how God knows how, God knows what we're like. God knows that we need a reset. In fact, there's a beautiful uh, verse in Psalm 30 that says, God's anger lasts only a moment, but his favor lasts a lifetime. Isn't that good? Because you may be today feeling distressed, but you need to back up and look at your life and say, oh yeah, today is a bad day, but God's goodness, his love, lasts a lifetime. This too will pass. David says, weeping may last through the night, but joy comes in the morning. Some of you know that verse and you've latched onto it. In fact, that verse has become a steady part of your recitations, especially every morning. Every day is a reset. And so here's what I want to say to you before I go any further. Satan is, <laughs> Satan is so crafty. But the Bible says we're not ignorant of Satan's schemes. We know the way he works. Here's what Satan will do to you. Ready? You have a bad day, and he's going to whisper in your ear, God doesn't love you. God has abandoned you. Nobody loves you, in fact. Not even the pastor cares about you. Your parents don't even care about you. He's crafty, isn't he? And the reason nobody cares about you, the reason nobody loves you is because you're such a sinner, because you fail, because you have sinned, because you said the wrong thing, you did the wrong thing, you had the wrong attitude, and now everybody hates you and God hates you. There's no sense even trying to serve God because you're such a failure. But Those are the times, my friends, you come before God. You say, God, I need your grace. God, this is why I became a Christian, is because I can't make it on my own. You come before God, and God, like any loving father, may be angry, but it lasts only a moment. And so you weep through the night, but in the morning, joy comes. And you tell the devil, Devil, it's a new day. Go back to hell where you belong. The power of a new day. But you know what, folks, sometimes you we have a bad week. How many know what I'm talking about? This has been a bad week. In fact, you haven't been able to even pray. You You've just found yourself so busy, so stressed out. You have been so busy with whatever. Bad attitude, your heart's far from God. You're mad at your wife, mad at your kids, mad at your boss, mad at your neighbors, mad at your car. It won't start. The battery's dead again. That's the third battery we've replaced this few years. And you're mad and your heart's far from God. But folks, that's that's Saturday. Sunday's coming. And what happens on Sunday? We come to the house of the Lord and we get our focus off of our own problems, our own troubles, our own difficulties. See, that's a problem with most of us. We focus on ourselves, on our problems, our difficulties, our failings, our weaknesses, our past, our present. And God's saying, hey, over here, people, over here, look at me. Get your eyes on me. That's what Sunday's about. You came here this morning to get your eyes on God. And folks, here's what happens. When you get your eyes on the Lord, you forget about yourself and you remember that greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. That we are more than conquerors through Christ who loved us. That nothing can separate us from the love of God. That's why we come to church every Sunday, to worship him, to get ourselves focused and aligned with the mind and the heart of God, amen? Hallelujah every Sunday, and you can have a reset every Sunday. If you had a bad week, Pastor Allen, never mind about every day, I'm having, I, I'm struggling with every week. Come to church on Sunday and push the reset button. I love what it says in Psalm 118, 22 to 24. Look at this, a prophecy in the Old Testament about the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And you may remember that the Bible says that Jesus Christ is the cornerstone that everybody rejected. What does it mean that he's the cornerstone? I'm gonna tell you what. Jesus said when he was with his disciples, he said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against my church. Who is the cornerstone of the church? Jesus Christ. And listen to this. I love this, It's is fantastic. This is prophesying. Psalm 118, look into the future when Jesus would come. It says, the stone that the builders rejected has now become the cornerstone. Talking about Jesus. And this is the Lord's doing, and it is wonderful to see. This is the day, listen to this. This is the day that the Lord has made. We will be glad and rejoice in it. Say it with me. We will be glad. and rejoice in it. Now, I have some people come to me and say, Pastor Ellen, we should be celebrating the Sabbath on Saturday. And the Apostle Paul says, I don't care what day you pick, just pick a day. Read that. You can read it in Galatians. But we see that there is a new day, the day of resurrection. Now, listen, this is powerful, people. On Friday, Jesus is being crucified. On Friday, Jesus is being led to be tried by the authorities. On Friday, Jesus is led before the soldiers who whipped him and beat him and put a crown of thorns on his head. Has anybody had a day like that? Jesus did. On Saturday, he's in the tomb, it looks hopeless. The disciples said, what were these past three years about? What was the point? What was the use? Why did we do this? Why did we waste three years of our life? But they didn't know that Sunday was coming. And on Sunday, I gotta stand for this. On Sunday, angels came from heaven Rolled that stone away. Jesus rose from the dead, victorious over the grave. Nothing in hell or in heaven could keep Jesus down. Folks, that is what our faith is about. You want to push the reset button, come to church on Sunday and experience the resurrection power of God to quicken you, to strengthen you, to help you from day to day to get through 2017. That, my friends... Is what this faith is about. You don't need to go through life the way you are. Just push the reset button. Hallelujah. Thank you, God, for the reset button. Every Sunday. Oh, this is the day, Sunday, this is the day that the Lord has made. It's resurrection day, and the power that, rose, that raised Jesus from the dead is the power that's available to you in your situation, in your marriage, at your job, in your finances, whatever it is that you're experiencing. God is here today to empower you, and that's what Sunday's about. And there's one more reset button. We call it the new year. You say, Pastor Allen, that's a pagan holiday. You know, I'm fed up with people phoning me, sending me emails and texts and saying, Pastor, what do you think about this? And I don't think it's biblical. Can I just say something to you? I've been studying all this for over 30 years, and I I think I know my stuff. And I'm going to tell you that although New Year's is not a Christian holiday, there is a New Year holiday. And I want you to know, because I think most of us understand this, that Christianity has Jewish roots. Does everybody know that? That's why we we talk about every day being a new day. This is why we come to church once a week to celebrate. Why? Because Jesus was in the habit of coming to worship God once a week. Well, the beginning of every year is a fresh start. And in the Jewish tradition, their celebration of New Year is called Rosh Hashanah. Some of you may have seen that it take place in the fall. And in 2017 it's going to happen September 20th at sunset to nightfall on September 22nd. That's that is the New Year. Rosh means a head, Hashanah of the of the year. So that's what it means, Rosh Hashanah, the head of the year the reset. (laughs) So here we go. The Rosh Hashanah custom includes sounding the shofar. That's that hollowed out um, uh, ram's horn. Maybe you've heard it. Somebody blows on it. And if they don't know what they're doing, it's really hilarious. That's why we didn't have a shofar blown this morning. But that's part of what they do. And it's it's prescribed by the Torah. And and whenever that shofar sounds, it's, a, it's, it's meant as a celebration, a blasting of the horns, reminding the people who they are. And what they also do is they eat apples dipped in honey. And I, you know what, if I'd been a little bit swifter, I would have had apples and honey for you this morning, but you'll have to go home and get, make it yourself. And the reason they give up this food, again, it's symbolic, and it's to evoke a sweet new year. Isn't that good? Rosh Hashanah, the head of the year, the reset button. And here's what they say to one another. They say, have a good and sweet year. Tell the person beside you, have a good and sweet year. Okay, that's enough. Okay, back here, folks, back here. Hello. Okay, here we go. Now, for a lot of people, they don't know that Rosh Hashanah is, is the, it comes before Yom Kippur. Yom Kippur is, is, is a celebration of the day of judgment. How many know that this life is not going to go on like this forever? Everybody know that? This is firmly ingrained in Christian teaching, in Judeo, Judeo-Christian teaching and Judeo uh, Christian teaching. And as they celebrate, this Rosh Hashanah, the Talmud provides three central ideas behind the day. First of all, sovereignty, say it with me, sovereignty, secondly, remembrance, and the shofar blast. And here's why these three things are supposed to be remembered on Rosh Hashanah, on, on New Year. First of all, sovereignty, it's, it's a nod and a reminder that we are called to worship the king and serve the king of kings. Now, that's Jewish teaching, but that sounds pretty Christian to me. Would you all agree with that? So on this New Year's Day, folks, here's what you and I are going to do. We're going to remember that Jesus Christ is our king, and we are called to serve the king. Would everyone say amen to that? The second thing we're called to do is to remember, and we are called to remember who we are. We are children of the king. We, are, we have a God in heaven who loves us and cares about us. And even when it seems like life is spinning out of control and we're confused, and man, it's time to hit the reset button, we're remembering, oh yeah, oh yeah, God's on my side. How many know that? God's on your side. God is on your side. And then the third thing, the shofar blast, well, what does that stand for? Well, very simply this, as a reminder of the former two things. When you hear that shofar blast, it reminds you that you have a king, a king of the universe. His name is Jesus. And secondly, you're reminded that you belong to him. Now, we're not doing any shofar blasts this morning. But let me just say this to you in, in, in conclusion. Poor Jeremiah, he wept because he could see the suffering and the discipline of his people, and it broke his heart. The destruction of all that he loved, his beloved Jerusalem. No amount of preaching or teaching could warn these people. They simply would not listen. Man, I know what that feels like at times. Is anybody listening to what I'm saying? Well, i got to tell you this, because some people think that, you know, God's mercy, God's love, pastor, don't talk about the difficult stuff, the judgment stuff, because, you know, a loving God wouldn't discipline, wouldn't judge. Oh, yeah? Read Hebrews chapter 12. The Bible said God disciplines those that he loves. And it's a fatal mistake to think that God's love and his kindness towards sinners would somehow cancel out his wrath. I'm getting serious here for a moment. God's love and kindness towards, simply, uh, towards sinners does, is not simply, does not simply cancel out his wrath against sin. He would not be a just and loving God, a God that you could trust if God did not discipline and deal with sin. Now, don't dream for a moment that divine mercy somehow eliminates the threat of God's judgment. On the contrary, God's wrath magnifies his mercy. Can I say it again? God's wrath magnifies his mercy. When you recognize how much your sin deserves the wrath of God, then suddenly you recognize how great is God's mercy. And as we come to 2017, we push the reset button and we say, thank you, God, for your great mercy and love. Thank you, God, that I'm not destroyed thank you god that i do not get what my sin deserves would anybody say amen to that it wasn't until they saw the destruction of everything that the people of israel turned back to god can i ask you a question this morning what's it going to take for you to turn back to god what's it going to take what do you need to experience before you finally say uncle I give, God, I'll surrender. God, I'll do what you want me to do. God, I can't take this anymore. What's it gonna take? All you have to do is cry out to the Lord because he's waiting for you to set that reset button. The faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercy never cease. His mercies never cease. Great is his faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh each morning there was a, a a slide that i showed you several weeks ago and i just want to close with this on that day of pentecost when the holy spirit came upon the early church in acts chapter 2 it says that that flames of fire looked like tongues of fire were resting on the heads of every believer what a represented folks is the spirit of god coming upon his people and here's what i want you to know today the spirit of god is here today ministering to your heart reminding you today that you're not going through this life alone you're not going you're not doing it alone god is with you and he loves you And he wants to empower you. He wants to strengthen you. He wants to give you what you need. He wants you to prosper and do well. And he sent his Holy Spirit to to enable you, to quicken you, to strengthen you, to make it possible for you to do everything that he wants you to do. Sean, I'm going to ask you to come with your guitar. And we're going to close just a moment. I want us to sing that song. Come, let us adore Him. Come, let us adore Him. And uh, I'm going to ask you to stand with me, please. And this morning, you you may wonder. Well, Pastor Allen, I I need to res- I need to push the reset button. Here's what you do. Here's a, here's how you do it. All you do is say, God. My focus has been off of you. My eyes have got onto me, on my situation, my problems, my difficulties. God, I've been pursuing my own wishes, my own wants. But God, this morning, I want to completely surrender to you because I want 2017 to be the best year of my life. I want to be used by you. I want to serve you. I want to glorify you. Would anybody say amen to that? Here's something we don't normally do. But if you'd like to just uh, come and stand here at the front is just putting an action behind your words, you don't all have to do that. So if you want to just stay where you are, you're welcome to. But if there's anybody today that a "Pastor and I want to join you here at the front in prayer, then I'm going to invite you to do that as we sing that song. Oh, come let us adore him.